0: does The title of today's sermon is, "What if we test God in this?" And it comes from Malachi 3:10, which is probably the only verse in Malachi that most people even really know. So let's at least start there. So Malachi 3:10 says, "Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this," says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven." And pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. But there is so much more to Malachi than just that one verse. See, the people of God had gone back to their old ways. They were in sin. They were rebelling against the Lord. And the theme of Malachi is the people's lack of stewardship. But not just stewardship of their money. They were failing in their stewardship of kingdom opportunities. Priests were making up their own rules instead of teaching people the laws of God. The people were not being good stewards of their relationships. Husbands were being unfaithful to their wives. And the people were were exploiting the poor instead of helping them. And they were failing in their financial stewardship and in their worship through offerings. Some were completely skipping the tithe altogether. And others, when they would bring their offerings and their sacrifices, they were bringing the sick and the defective instead of bringing the best. So let's go back a few verses and begin again. Malachi 3, verse 6. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land says the Lord Almighty. Now in verse 7, God calls the people to repent. That's what return to me means. To repent means to turn from something back to the one that you were supposed to be worshiping and serving and following. But God doesn't call them to repent just in word. He doesn't call them just to feel bad about what they've done. He wants concrete action. So what is it they are to repent of? What are they turning away from? We see it in verse 8. From robbing God. They are to return to the Lord. They are to repent of robbing God. So what does that repentance look like? Well, if I'm robbing God and I repent of it, that means I stop robbing God, right? It means that I give to God what is rightfully His, correct? And what is it? that is rightfully God's in this passage. It's the tithe. The tithe. Of all the charges God has brought against His people, it's interesting that God right here points to the tithe as the sign of repentance. I I told you all the ways in which Israel was rebelling against God. Husbands unfaithful to their wives. I mean, just, just priests making up rules. But it's the tithe that God emphasizes here. Why is that? What is so significant about the tithe? Well, first I want to explain to you what the tithe is not. Okay, First of all, the tithe is not a tax. It's It's not dues. It's not something that's being levied against people. The tithe also is not leftovers. Now, see, that's basically the attitude that Malachi was preaching against there in verse... And if you look in chapter 1, verse 8, it says, When you bring animals for sacrifice... Is that not wrong when you sacrifice crippled or diseased animals? Is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you? Says the Lord Almighty. So the people were bringing the diseased, the maimed, the sick, the, the dying. They were bringing to God their leftovers rather than their best. And the Old Testament law commanded God's people not to bring leftovers, but the opposite, to bring first fruits, to bring the first and the best of what you have. So, it's not a tax. It's not leftovers. It's not a bribe. You're not trying to bribe God or force His hand into doing something. It's not a fundraiser for the church. And finally, the tithe is not an option. It's not a suggestion. Deuteronomy 14.22 says, Be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. So, if that's what the tithe is not, then what is the tithe? Well, simply put, the tithe is a tenth part. It's ten percent. That's what the word tithe means. It means a tenth. And the first time we see the tithe is in Genesis 14. When Abraham, having uh, had a victory, and he's got all these spoils from his victory, he goes to Melchizedek, the priest king of Jerusalem, and he presents ten percent of his loot. A tithe. In Genesis 28, it says Jacob stopped at a certain place for the night and he had a dream. He encountered God there. And when he woke up the next morning, he said, God is in this place and I did not know it. And then Jacob promised to return to the Lord a tithe of all that God would bless him. In the Law of Moses... God commands the people to tithe for several purposes. To support the Levites and the priests. uh, To make preparations for feasts and celebrations. For the care of widows and orphans and aliens in their midst. But why in Malachi 3 is the tithe given so much emphasis? Why is tithing the only place in all the Bible where we are told to test God? What if we did test God in this? I believe there are at least 10 things that we would discover if we did test God by being faithful to the principle of the tithe. And I want to go through these very quickly this morning. The first, tithing shows our repentance. Shows our repentance. As we've talked about in these last several weeks, how we relate to the physical speaks volume to the spiritual. It relates directly. God understood that Judah's attitude toward and their use of possessions was an important indicator of their relationship with Him. And the same thing is true for us. And in the Old Testament, people would often show their repentance by fasting, by weeping. They would would wear sackcloth. They would sit in ashes. But are those really how God wants us to demonstrate repentance is that really what God is after us sitting in sackcloth on a pile of ashes? I don't think so. What God wants more than anything is for our hearts to be broken over our sin to the point that we turn to Him in faith and obedience. God wants us to change our behavior. That's the point of repentance. That's why, the, that's why Jesus told the rich young man, remember he he came and he wanted to know how he could have eternal life and Jesus said, well, what does the law of Moses say? And he kind of rattled off a few of the Ten Commandments. And Jesus said, okay, well, go do that. And the man said, well, I've done, I've done those all my life. And Jesus, it says that Jesus loved the man. He loved his, his sincerity. He loved his spiritual zeal. And Jesus said, well, there's one more thing you need to do. Sell all your possessions, give it to the poor, and follow me. The reason Jesus said that to that man is he looked into that man's heart and he saw that that man's problem was he was serving money rather than God. His treasures were on earth, not in heaven. Jesus needed him to repent of that attitude. As 21st century Americans, we are among the most wealthy and advantaged people to ever live on the face of the earth. Our culture is a very materialistic, consumer-driven culture. So when we as Christians practice the tithe, we are actively turning against our culture. We're demonstrating our commitment to not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind that we may prove the good and acceptable will of God. Tithing shows our repentance that we are turning from the ways of this world to walk in the ways of God. Secondly, the tithe belongs to God. That's the other thing. If we really tested God in this, we would discover and learn that the tithe does belong to God. Leviticus 27.30 says, A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Now in this verse, he mentions the land. A tithe of everything from the land. The land is one of the key themes of the Old Testament. It's referred to over a thousand times. The land is what God promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's where God sent Moses to lead his people from Egypt to, to that promised land, so they could be a set apart people, a, a nation of priests on the earth. And when God's people failed to follow his commands, when they failed to worship him alone, God would remove them from the land. And the land wasn't about borders, it was about their covenant relationship with God. It was about their identity. It was the basis of their community. Tithing was an acknowledgement that not only what they had, but even who they were as a people, that they came from God, that He was the source of their identity. That without God, they could do nothing. They were nothing. That's what the tithe meant to the people of Israel. You know, Jesus said the same thing about us as His followers. That if we don't abide in Him, we're not going to bear His fruit. That if we are apart from Jesus, He said, you can do nothing. Paul said that in the opposite. He said, on the other hand, with Jesus, I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but apart from Jesus... I can do nothing. So when we tithe, we are reminding ourselves that all the good gifts that we have come from the Father. That our identity is in Christ. It's not in ourselves. It's not in our accomplishments. It's in Jesus and what He has already accomplished for us. The tithe belongs to the Lord, as does everything. Number three, tithing shows reverence for God. Tithing shows reverence for God. In Deuteronomy 14.23, it goes on to say, Eat the tithe of your grain, new wine and olive oil, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks, in the presence of the Lord your God, at the place He will choose as a dwelling for His name. In other words, they're supposed to bring the tithe, make use of the tithe there at the temple, so that so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. See, how God's people regarded and treated the land and everything that it produced was a central feature of their relationship with God and their faithful obedience to Him. The land didn't belong to them. They were just stewards. They were managers of the land. The land, God says in Leviticus 25-23, He said, The land is mine, and you reside in my land as foreigners and strangers. You're guests because the land belongs to the Lord. But what we tend to do as as human beings, even as Christians, we tend to disconnect the gift from the giver, don't we? And when we do, we begin to forget who the giver is. And we fall into the trap, the deception, that somehow I earned this. Maybe even I deserve this. We become prideful. We become entitled. We forget that it's God who gives us the ability to produce wealth, to grow crops, to raise our children, to work and learn, and even to grow His church. It is God who gave Israel the land. It is God who set them free from slavery in Egypt. And tithing not only helps us to remember that, but it helps us to give God the reverence the honor and the respect and the fear that He is due. This also means, number four, that the tithe symbolizes redemption. Because of what God tells the people of Israel after the Passover. I'll get there in a minute. You know, we look at the tithe, and I've heard a lot of Christians say this, that the tithe is law. That's Old Testament. We're not under the Old Testament law anymore, which is true, we're not. But you know, that's just an outdated part of the Old Testament. I don't see it that way. I see the tithe as a beautiful reminder that God has bought us with a price and that we are no longer our own. We belong to Jesus. Paul says that. You are not your own. You've been bought with a the price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Now, after the Passover... After God had liberated Israel from Egypt to bring them to the promised land, He commanded every firstborn son in Israel and even the firstborn of all their livestock to be redeemed. Because remember the Passover, God struck down the firstborn of all Egypt, didn't He? And He said, I'm also going to take the firstborn of Israel. But they don't have to die. Rather, offer a firstborn animal in their stead every year. So every year... They would redeem their sons through an offering to remind the people that they had been redeemed from slavery in Egypt and they belonged to God. So when we tithe, it reminds us we've been redeemed. At a costly price, far more costly than any lamb or goat or bull, we have been bought by the very body and blood of Jesus Christ, crucified on Calvary's cross. He purchased us at such a high price. So what a small thing it is to give a tenth of what God has blessed us with in comparison to His infinite generosity toward us. Amen? Number five, tithing assures us of God's blessing. It assures us of God's blessings. In Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, we heard already this morning, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Malachi three ten and 11 that we've read already gives us a similar promise. But let me clarify something here. We don't tithe so that God will bless us. This isn't a bribe. We're not manipulating God so that we can get more stuff. That's not what it's about. That's counter to everything we've talked about the past few weeks. That's counter to the idea of setting our treasure in heaven, not on earth. That's counter to the idea that we don't serve money and things. We serve God. That's counter to the idea that we are seeking first the kingdom of God and trusting God to add to us all the things that we need. So this is not about I'm going to tithe so that God will bless me. Do we understand that? What it means is that whenever we take God at His word about anything, whenever we obey Him out of love, God will bless us in very real and profound ways. It won't always be monetary, it won't always be physical, but God will indeed bless us. And our response to God's blessing should be twofold. Our response to God's blessing should be gratitude and generosity. We express gratitude to God for what he has done for us and we mirror his character by likewise being generous to other people. And I believe that God always responds to grateful generous hearts with more blessing. I believe he does. Remember God's promise or remember Jacob's promise to God in Genesis 28. He promised to give God a tithe for all that God would bless him with. He was was promising a tithe in response to what God would do, not in order to get God to do something for him. I've said this before God blesses us so that we can be blessings to other people. But if we walk around with our pockets full of God's blessings and our fists just clenched, holding on to all God's blessings, He's not going to give us any more than we can hold. We've got to empty our pockets. We've got to let go of what's in our hands so that we can receive what He wants to give us. So my question for you, are your fists clenched in greed or are your hands open in generosity? Are you a storage building or a distribution center? God wants you to be a distribution center. Number six, tithing reveals our faith. You see, our level of generosity reveals the depth of our faith in Jesus' promise in Matthew 6, that we talked about the other week. He said, seek first His kingdom, His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So we demonstrate our trust in God that He will give to us our needs through the tithe. We demonstrate that we are relying on Him to give us this day our daily bread, that our faith. Our hope, our security isn't in our ability to produce wealth, but in God's generosity to us. This is one reason why God commanded the Jewish people to observe the Sabbath and the year of Jubilee. It's why He demanded offerings and sacrifices and tithes. It's not that God needs any of that. Does God need your money? No, He owns the, th- the cattle on a thousand hills. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. It's not that He needs it, it's that we need it. We need to give. We need that reminder that all that I am, all that I have is a gift from God. I need to give to remind me, to stretch my faith, to believe that God is faithful to His promises. Tithing strengthens our faith as we remember with gratitude that everything we have, every good and perfect gift comes from above. That's why we tithe. It reveals, it strengthens our faith. Number seven, tithing confirms God's Word. Malachi 3.10, again, it's the only place in all the Bible where we're told to test God. Everywhere else we're told not to test God. So why is that? Well, when we put our faith in God, when we faithfully tithe, we confirm what God's Word says. That God is faithful to us first. Again, tithing is a response. It's a response to the faithfulness that God has already shown us that while we were sinners, while we were the enemies of God, Jesus died for us. Who dies for their enemies? Christ died so that we could go from being enemies to being children of God. God was faithful to us first. He was faithful to send his son. And when we are faithful and tithing to God, what God is saying when he says test me in this, what he's saying is if you're faithful to tithe, if you're faithful to put your money where your mouth is, where the rubber meets the road, you're to really trust in me, I'm going to continue to prove my faithfulness to you. I will just keep on proving to you that I'm faithful. That I'm a God who gives. I'm a shepherd who provides. I will give you green pastures to rest in. I will lead you beside quiet waters. I will restore your soul and I will anoint you with oil till your cup overflows. That's what God is saying. Number eight. I told you we are going to go through these pretty quick. Number eight. Tithing finances the church's work. Here in Malachi 3.10, when he says to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house. He's literally referring to the food that was brought to the temple or to the tabernacle as worship. And then the priests and the Levites would use that food. That's how they would eat. That's where their sustenance came from. Because if you remember, when God partitioned out the promised land and He gave pieces of the promised land to every tribe of Israel, the Levites got no land. Because the Levites were to be the priests. They were to be the ones to serve in the temple and in the tabernacle. And so God gave them some cities. He sprinkled them throughout the territory so they could minister to the people on God's behalf. And so the way that the Levites could have a living, the way that they could survive, it would be through the people bringing tithes to help support them and the work of the temple. Now today, the local church is what God has chosen to work through in this world. And so when we give our tithe, it supports the church. The church's mission, the church's purpose. And so that means when God's people don't tithe, if the church is the way in which God has chosen to work in the world, when God's people don't tithe, we are actively hindering God's work in the world. Because God has chosen to work through His people equip us, to resource us, to bring us together so that He can send us out. You know, as great as charitable organizations can be, and there's some charitable organizations that Julie and I support. We we believe in charity. But it is the church that God has ordained. It is the church that, that Jesus died to save and sanctify. It is through the church that God primarily expects Christians to help the poor and the widowed and the orphaned and to minister to the outcasts. It's through the church. The United Way, I'm sorry, is not going to proclaim the gospel and make a single disciple of Jesus. It's the church through which the gospel is proclaimed. Disciples are made and baptized and taught to obey Jesus. The average Christian in America, this is just a statistic that I found, the average Christian in America gives only 3% of their income to the church. Okay, that means that there's people that give more, there's people that give a lot less than 3%. But as an average, that means that we are trying to win the world to Christ with a third of what God intends to equip us with. Less than a third. It's like we're trying to fight with both hands and a leg tied behind our back. What if every Christian tithed? What if every Christian tithe? What a difference would that make in our world today? Can you even imagine? I can't. But what if? Number nine, tithing proclaims the gospel. Tithing proclaims the gospel. Look back at verse 11. God says, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. The vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. And then verse 12, Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land. When God's people are faithful to tithe, it's a powerful testimony to a watching world. That's what God is saying there. You know, you've heard the expression, money makes the world go round, right? And in our culture, money certainly does talk. What is your money saying to the lost and the unchurched in your life? When they look at you, If money talks, what is your money saying? What are you proclaiming to your family, your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers through what you do with what God has given you? See, I don't mean when I say tithing proclaims the gospel. I'm not saying it helps us proclaim the gospel. I'm saying the very act of tithing, just like when we have a baptism, just like when we observe the Lord's Supper, it is a demonstration, a picture of the gospel. And here's why. Because number 10, tithing follows Jesus' example. Now you may say, now David, I've read the Gospels and I've not seen anywhere where Jesus tithed. And you're right. There's not a direct reference to Jesus tithing. But it's telling that of all the many accusations the Pharisees tried to drum up against Jesus never once did they accuse Jesus of not tithing. If He didn't, then that would be an easy accusation to lob against Him. Never once did the Pharisees accuse Jesus of not tithing. Not paying his taxes? Yes. They accused Jesus of not paying his taxes. Remember he had to send Peter to go get a fish with the coin in its mouth so they could pay their taxes? But never once did they accuse Jesus of not tithing. And when Jesus confronts the hypocritical practices of the Pharisees, we heard in our New Testament reading, Jesus said, Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs. In other words, He's saying, Alright, so yeah, you're tithing off, off your herb garden, which is pretty measly, really. You're tithing off your herb garden, but you neglect justice and the love of God. But listen to what Jesus says there at the end of this verse. He says, You should have practiced the latter, the justice the love of God, without leaving the former undone. See, Jesus is not invalidating the tithe. He's making it clear that the tithe is still expected. But at the same time, he says it doesn't take the place of justice toward their fellow man and their love for God. Again, this reminds me of what God says to the prophet Malachi. Look back in your Bible at Malachi chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. Judah has broken faith. A detestable thing has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. Judah has desecrated the sanctuary the Lord loves by marrying the daughter of a foreign god. As for the man who does this, whoever he may be, may the Lord cut him off from the tents of Jacob, even though he brings offerings to the Lord Almighty. Another thing you do, you flood the Lord's altars with tears. You weep and wail because He no longer pays attention to your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. You ask, why? It is because the Lord is acting as the witness between you and the wife of your youth because you have broken faith with her though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. And then look down at chapter 3, verses 2 through 4. But who can endure the day of His coming? Who can stand when He appears? For He will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites, refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord... We'll have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. And the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in days gone by, as in former years. You see, God turns down the people's offerings when it's given purely out of religious duty. Because God doesn't care about religious duty. God is after our hearts. He's not after your wallet. He's after your heart. We want to always boil things down to the bottom line. Money and duty. We want to know what's required of me. What do I have to do? And how much will it cost me? But that's not what God's after. He doesn't want just mindless religious duty. He's not after our money. He's after all of me. He doesn't just stop at my wallet. He wants me from my feet to the top of my head. He wants my heart, my soul, my mind, my strength. He wants all of me. The Jews were offering God religion, but what God wanted was relationship. They tried to ease their guilty conscience and buy God's blessing through their tithes and offerings, but God wants a relationship with us. And He wants us to treat each other with the same kind of love that He has for us. I read a quote that said, stewardship is not a classroom exercise in percentages. It's a homework assignment in total living. See, for the Christian, the tithe is just the beginning. It's the bare minimum of a lifestyle of financial stewardship. Because the tithe already belongs to God, doesn't it? Which is why Malachi says to bring the tithe into the storehouse. We don't give it to God. It's already God's. We just bring it to Him. Tithing is the beginning. It's the starting point for us. Because we worship a generous God who loves to give. And as beings made in His image, who are hopefully learning to think, act, and be more and more like Jesus, we must be generous people. The tithe belongs to God. But that's just 10%. God has blessed us with 90% of all of this treasure. The question is, not will we give God the 10%. That should be a given. The real question is, what are we going to do with the 90%? Is that going to be a treasure we store on earth or a treasure we store in heaven? Are we going to invest it in what is eternal or waste it on what is passing? The challenge for us today is certainly obedience to bringing God's tithe into the storehouse. Yes, but beyond that, it's for us to live a life of generosity. Sharing from our abundance. As God leads, let's take every opportunity to give and to share our resources because guess what? You can't outgive God. Author Randy Alcorn wrote this He said, God's grace is like the lightning, and our giving is the thunder. And just like thunder follows lightning, giving follows grace. It's possible to give without a deep understanding of God's grace, it's impossible. To have a deep understanding of grace and not give. Let me read that last bit again. It's possible to give without a deep understanding of God's grace. It's impossible to have a deep understanding of God's grace and not give. Really, this is all about the grace of God. We have a God of such generosity. John 3:16 says for God so loved the world he gave. And he didn't just give 10%. He gave us all. He gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Listen, I, I don't care how much you give. That's between you and God. I want you to experience the blessings of God. I want you to understand the depth of God's grace. I want you to be walking in obedience and close fellowship with Jesus Christ. So part of that means that you're being obedient to what God has said about your finances. That means that you are striving to practice the spiritual discipline of biblical stewardship. That's what I care about. But beyond that, if you're here this morning and you've never experienced the grace of God, you've never received this most generous of all gifts that God has given, then I'm going to invite you here in just a moment to do just that. We're about to stand and sing, and I want to invite you to come today and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to receive the gift of God that will change you from the inside out. Maybe you've already made that decision, but today you need to come forward and make it public. And you want to let this church know that you belong to Jesus now, and you need to pursue baptism and obedience to Him. Maybe you've already been baptized or already saved, but you know this is where God wants you to worship and you need to come and join this church and move your membership. And maybe, just maybe, the Spirit of God has revealed to your heart that you need to trust Him more. You need to be more obedient and faithful when it comes to your treasures. And I pray that you, like the people in Malachi's day, will turn from robbing God and turn to trusting Him. Would you stand and pray with me? Father, we are thankful that You are a God who gives. You are a God of infinite generosity. We can't even begin to imagine the generous nature of Your heart, that the height, the width, the depth, the length of Your love is beyond our comprehension. But I pray, Father, that You would give us enough of a glimpse of that today. That for some, they would come and put their trust in You. For others, they would come in obedience to be baptized. For others, they would come in obedience to unite with this church family. And for all of us, God, it would lead us to examine our hearts, to test and see whether we're really willing to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and follow Jesus, even when it comes to what we do with our money, and with our time, and with our treasures, and with our talents. May we... Be good and faithful stewards of all the blessings with which you have blessed us. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.